Welcome to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time, where we aim to break down barriers, demystify blindness, and promote real and lasting change. Join host David Steinmetz as he connects us with professionals who are making a positive impact in the community. These leaders help empower individuals who are blind or have other disabilities to live a full and inclusive life. Let's lean in as David kicks off today's conversation. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time. I'm your host, David Steinmetz. First and foremost, I'd like to thank Arizona Industries for the Blind, an enterprise nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering people who are blind to achieve their version of the American dream by creating and sustaining employment opportunities. AIB is our sponsor this year for our podcast, and I'm very appreciative of their support. Developed this show from various different reasons, personal and professional. I often find that as I'm out on the streets uh, waiting for public transportation or even just in the grocery store, wherever I may be, uh, people always stop to ask or people are questioning my abilities, whether it's to live independently, work, travel, etc. And so I often find myself educating people, um, whether I want to or not, about blindness, about you know, whether guide dogs or my family, etc. And I said, there's got to be a bigger opportunity for me to reach out and get to the community and talk about how people who are blind are successful in, in the workplace, they're successful in life. And so I like to uh, use this platform to do that and connect with other professionals throughout the U.S. on accessibility, independent living, work, uh, employment, careers. And I'm really excited uh, to have my special guest on today, uh, Mr. Mike Hess. Mike is the Executive Director of Blindness, excuse me, Blind Institute of Technology, or also known as BIT, B-I-T. Mike has been featured in various different newspapers in Denver, Colorado, such as the Business Journal. He was honored with the 2017 Martin Luther King Jr. Business Award and the 2019 Global Executive Directors Inclusive Award. Uh, Mike is also a podcaster, a developer of basically like wayfinding technology, which is a navigation system that allows people who are blind and vision impaired to navigate inside buildings, basically, in areas that that most oftentimes are a challenge for people who are blind. You know, we can use GPS to get around out, get to the building, but from the building to that office or, that you're going to is often a challenge. So, Mike, uh, welcome to our show. Thanks for being here today and continuing my conversation about changing the perception. Thank you so much, David, for having me. It's truly an honor. Yeah, so let's talk a little, a little bit about what makes you guys special? What is what is it about your organization um, that you're doing in the community? What do we do that's special? What's what's unique about us, David? Um, well, I'll do a I'll backtrack a little bit and tell you like why I started BIT Blind Institute of Technology first and foremost. So I spent uh, 20 years um, in tech and in Fortune five, Fortune six hundred companies. Started out as a as a coder. A developer uh, back in the early mid '90s with the very first technology bubble that was created globally was from an event called Y2K or Year 2000. 
for those of your listeners who have never heard of that, uh, it's in history books. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people thought that the, the you know technology of all sorts was going to crash at midnight uh, on uh, <laughs> uh, when um, the millenniums changed from mm-hmm. the 20th century to the 21st century. Mm-hmm. So. And so if you could, if you could spell Y2K, David, um, and you had the ability to code uh, any kind of programming language, you were kind of guaranteed a gig. And so I could do both. Um, and so I started my, my career in, in technology back in the mid-90s, was a programmer for a few years, then moved over to the network side of the house. So Cisco certified as well. So I speak tech, I speak nerd, and managed seven and eight figure projects over my career, did pretty well. However, one thing was always very evident to me is that I was always the token blind person in very large organizations. And so, and quite honestly, with my cane, I don't ever remember bumping into anybody in a wheelchair. I'd never heard of anybody using ASL, American Sign Language, as their primary means of communication. And neurodiversity just wasn't talked about. Clearly, I worked around people who are neurodiverse. Mm-hmm. However, it just wasn't talked about. So um, as I was getting into my 40s, I started really asking that. Like, it was really, really bothering me. Like, why Why am I the token? And I knew of all the, you know, nationally, I knew of all of what I call the bees, right? So uh, National Federation of the Blind, American Foundation for the Blind, American Council for the Blind, National Industries for the Blind. I knew of all the bees, right? The national organizations, you know, doing something in and around, you know, blindness. And, uh, and I researched uh, all of them and they're, and they're, they do varying degrees of goodness for, for the blind and visually impaired community, the BVI community. But I couldn't find any of them that were what I was, what I called, you know, taking the business case directly to the fortune 10,000. So the 10,000 largest publicly traded companies in the world where Literally, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of jobs are created every single year. So I, um, you know, foolish, courageous, somewhere in between, I left my six-figure income. Uh, and I don't say that from a braggadocious perspective, David. I say that from a, I wasn't just the token blind person that they kept on as a quota. Uh, I was killing it. I was doing a good job in corporate America. So uh, managing very large projects, they were on time, on budget, all those kind of, you know, the key factors, what's called KPIs, key uh, performance indicators for, uh, you know, projects and organizations. You know, I was meeting all those, doing a really good job, but I could not find, you know, since I was that token and I, I was really wanting to create an organization that was focused on, you know, bringing employment to the Fortune 10,000 from the blind and visually impaired community. And so foolish or courageous, somewhere in between, I left my six-figure income to start BIT, Blind Institute of Technology. But this is this will give you kind of an inside lens of what kind of a tech head I am, what kind of a nerd I really am. Where did I come up with BIT, Blind Institute of Technology? So again, in technology, there's you know bits and bytes. So mm-hmm. a bit is binary, zero and a one, it's machine language. So I, I made an acronym out of a bit called Blind Institute of Technology. So that's my claim to marketing fame. But I truly believe technology, David, is the uh, great equalizer, the greatest equalizer for all of humanity, from the Wright brothers to the pencil, always helping humanity overcome its obstacles. Mm-hmm. And within the digital age, without accessible technology, our ability, the blind, visually impaired community's ability to have a quality of life, let alone our ability to earn our own nickel, 
is nil. It's practically, it's, it's not there. And so assistive technology, accessible technology, accessible digital um, user interfaces is exactly how you and I are able to do, you know, anything that we want to do. Um, so, so that's how, you know, BIT came around. Our delineator amongst, you know, again, all these other organizations that are doing varying degrees of goodness is that um, our whole and sole focus is getting folks from the BBI community uh, gamefully employed. And so our business model is truly what delineates us from all other uh, organizations that deal with the blind and visually impaired community because our business model, we act as a nonprofit staffing agency. So small brands such as uh, Salesforce, J.P. Morgan Chase, CVS, Allstate, Anthem, Prudential, they pay us to find them talent from the blind, visually impaired community and the broader professionals with disabilities community to support their diversity, equity, and inclusion hiring initiatives specifically for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. So long answer to your question about like what what is BIT all about? So uh, a little bit about my background, how I got here, and uh, how BIT delineates itself. Yeah, amazing. Amazing story, amazing journey. Um, really kind of steers around the concept of my show, right? You're talking about being the token blind person in an organization. Blindness is typically a very low prevalence in the community. Oftentimes, employers have not had an experience or even, you know, family members or uh, people in the community have those opportunities to engage with someone who is blind, visually impaired. And throughout your, you know, 20 years, uh, for just, what, a minute or two, you've been in the the tech industry to, to find that you didn't have other people that shared the same experience you did. Why, why do you feel that there was... There's, there's not more people who are blind in that industry or employed, right? We talk about a 70% unemployment rate among people with disabilities, people who are blind, vision impaired. We're working really hard through all those other organizations, right? National Industry for Blind, Arizona Industries for the Blind, things that we do, providing outsourced services, et cetera, to make a dent in that 70%. But in the corporate world, we find that there's a big challenge. And, and what would you say is make, maybe, Mike, are some of those barriers to getting people who are blind into the, the Fortune 500, Fortune 10,000? Great, great question, David. And honestly, it's... Uh, so again, uh, my my humble opinion, our organizational approach to, you know, uh, solving for this, uh, it, it's interesting because, again, I've... I've um, when I left corporate to start BIT, like one thing I didn't realize I was getting myself into was the world of sales. <laughs> and at the end, at the end of the day, like I'm selling blind, visually impaired professionals. I'm selling professionals with disabilities, like to corporate America. And here are some statistics uh, for you and your audience. So within the Fortune 10,000, 86% of organizations have some sort of diversity, equity, and inclusion type initiatives. Okay. The four main initiatives for their organizations, the four main pillars are generally, and again, these are all very, very important. Uh, Realize like 
culture and corporate America have a long ways to go for, from a, uh, an equity perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, all of these programs are very, very important. But uh, again, the four main pillars are uh, ethnicity, gender, LGBTQIA+, and veteran. Mm-hmm. Those are the four main pillars of diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives in the Fortune 10,000. Out of, and that's 86%, right? So 8,600. Now, out of the 86% of Fortune 10,000 companies that have some sort of DEI initiative, only 4% have an initiative that includes people with disabilities. So, so it's not even 4,000 companies, right? So it's only 4% of the 86% that have mm-hmm. an initiative that includes people with disabilities. So just within the Fortune 10,000, like it just, you have this smaller pool of, of, of true recruiting and retaining opportunity within an, a, a community that even amongst, you know, disability oriented organizations, you know, that do, you know, uh, focus on other forms of disability, whether it's, uh, you know, you know, folks on the spectrum, you know, autism speaks or whatever organization within the neurodiversity kind of space or organizations that deal with, you know, deaf or hard of hearing. Like many times the blind community is is omitted from even other disability oriented initiatives. The, and, and I truly believe, so again, like I believe that because of um, a very legal nebulous term, like uh, us as a marginalized community, we're the only marginalized community that has to, like we have to prove ourselves innocent because of a very legal nebulous term called reasonable accommodation. So we're the only marginalized community that has to overcome that legal hurdle. We're the only ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so quite honestly, and individuals, uh, well-meaning professionals that are that are in generally HR positions that are there to be like, oh, is this a reasonable accommodation or not? They don't know anything about reasonable accommodations. And they certainly don't know anything about whether or not user interfaces can be made mm-hmm. to be accessible to screen reader users or Braille display users, which obviously is our reasonable accommodation. So these very well-meaning HR professionals who, again, they know HR and they've read an article or two on ADA, they know nothing mm-hmm. about assistive technology. They know nothing about WCAG. They know nothing about making an interface accessible so us as blind visually impaired screen reader users can be successful mm-hmm. so yeah that, that's so, interesting so I, I didn't realize that fact that fact four percent of the 86 percent do have a focus on disabilities as being part of their dei programs that's really incredible and that certainly is a, is a giant barrier if you don't have people looking into the community right yeah, <laughs> like it's it, so when you when you ask the question like why 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 aren't there more folks in corporate America like the, like so kind of the cards are stacked against us mm-hmm. right and that's why BIT that's what so BIT again our sole and only focus mm-hmm. everything that you see on us like it's all about employment everything mm-hmm. that we do so our our workforce development initiative our BIT academy everything that we do is about leveling folks up or about taking their current skills and getting people placed. So, mm-hmm. so our job at BIT is to kick in doors. We find organizations, small, medium, and large. So it doesn't matter if it's SMB, you know, small, medium community or the enterprise, you know, organizations, the true fortune, you know, uh, 500 companies, right. That everybody knows the brand names about, like, it doesn't matter the size of the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, BIT is out there, you know, again, my job, I get, I, I'm three straight weeks of traveling all over the country, shaking hands, 
kissing babies. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a traveling sales guy and mm-hmm. I'm out there, you know, meeting with executives of organizations all over the country and uh, introducing uh, the amazing talent pool, which happens to be professionals with disabilities. From my perspective and looking at um, over my career from working for a small business uh, and identifying that I have a, a visual impairment and in that moment, I went from an asset to a liability. And because this person didn't know what to do with me, how to support me, or let alone even care. And over my you know, 30 plus years of vision loss, I've found that that to be true with a lot of employers um, and so forth. And, you know, as I've had to learn the, the core, you know, blindness skills, uh, orientation, mobility, technology, independent living, uh, how to being prepared, and really uh, how to overcome a lot of challenges. Uh, you talked about accessibility of applications or software, and finding workarounds and, and so forth. You're, you've been very successful in your professional career. How do you feel that those blindness skills have helped you? get to where you are today as being, you know, exec director, um, going out and, and shaking hands and kissing babies with, with corporate America? You know, well, it, I believe, of, of course, blindness skills are essential, right? So mm-hmm. you, we, like, um, I, I believe, again, one of the unfortunate circumstances for the blind, visually impaired community specifically, um, because I have some experience, I've lived it, um, the bar, the bar has been set so low from state agencies, from school districts, from, you know, again, vocational rehabilitation organizations, from uh, nonprofits who support the blind, visually impaired community. I, I, I personally believe, again, this is my experience, mine. Okay. So mm-hmm. I'm not, not bashing any, anybody else. I'm not speaking for anybody else. This is my opinion. The thoughts and opinions you hear on the show are solely mine. So uh, again, all, all my experience, like I was, I, you have no idea how many times I was told in school, like this j- elementary, junior high, high school, <laughs> like uh, the government's going to take care of you. I know I'm not the only blind person who's ever heard that language before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, so you get this, you get this, like, uh, like we all have heard the term systemic racism. Right. There's mm-hmm. the actual legislation that is built in, you know, whether it's red line districts or whatnot, like there's legislation that's created for, you know, to uh, omit and discriminate against, you know, BIPOC community members. And 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 the only the only thing I can think of from like um, what I've experienced is like there's also this systemic mediocrity that is put in place for. You know, again, I'm speaking specifically for the blind, visually impaired. I believe it is for the broader disability community, but I'm going to speak my experience within the blind, visually impaired community, where again, the mediocrity, like, hey, it's okay just to go this far. Don't worry, your your SSDI, your Social Security Disability Insurance check is going to be like, there's all this, you know, these these really low media, mediocre expectations for our community. And so uh, we as a community have to be willing to just say, or individuals within the community have to be willing to say, screw you. Like, I, I, I deserve a, a true slice of the American dream. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to do that if you still qualify for SSDI. Yep. So again, like for me, and the only, the only way like you can do this as a blind, visually impaired person, you have to start with your blindness skills. Like the onus is on us. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I believe it doesn't matter if you go into technology or not. Like we, so our reasonable accommodation, 100%, I don't care if you're going into social work. I don't care if you're going into teaching. I don't care if you're going into being a yoga instructor. I don't like, I don't care what job you're going to go into as a blind, visually impaired person. You must be competent with your assistive technology skills, period. Be comfortable with more than one screen reader. Master the screen readers, master them. Okay. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a coder, but reasonable accommodations start with us being able to advocate and understanding how user interfaces are easily, easily made accessible to screen reader uh, users. And so for, for me, like your, your question of like, you know, how, how important it is, it's, it is important and it's essential. And unfortunately, systemically, there's not enough emphasis placed on there. Schools for the blind, like like, no, if they're graduating from schools for the blind and they are only comfortable with one screen reader, the mm-hmm. institution failed. Sure. Like, I am really hardcore on this, David. Mm-hmm. I can definitely hear your hear your passion. And I think one of the things you mentioned in, in that conversation is advocate for yourself, right? And uh, I'm sure you didn't get to where you were by, you know, just sitting back and saying, okay, I'm just going to code because that's what I can do, right? You have the passion, you have the drive and the desire, right? And you've had life experience of, okay, for me to accomplish this, instead of getting in the car and driving down the street, I'm going to plan out my day, I'm going to find an alternative mode of transportation to get where it is I need to do. And even in terms of developing, right, the application uh, for navigation, right, uh, for inside buildings and, and such is solving a problem and working towards improving the processes to ensure that you're going to get what you need or and you're going to be successful you're going to bring the project in on time that that doesn't come just because you can get you know you have good cane and orientation mobility skills although those are important it comes from something within you as well i imagine right it's it's not as you said just letting society, culture, employers, organizations dictate what it is that you can or can't do. It's well, the, uh, so my, so I was just at a conference with 40. So in the historic uh, campus of Georgetown in uh, Washington, DC for the last four days. And uh, I didn't realize that. So the campus was started in 1789. Like, it's amazing. Like I knew it was uh, like an older university. I had no idea. Um, uh, My sighted uh, colleagues were telling me that there's, you know, buildings that literally look like castles and such, right? And mm-hmm. um, some of the uh, cherry blossoms were just uh, peeking out, and I had never smelled a cherry blossom, so they guided me up to, you know, smell all that. But I had a, um, again, a fellow sister nonprofit leader that was there uh, up in the Minneapolis St. Paul area. She had asked me because so she saw me, you know, we were basically in class for uh, three days, you know, learning about, um, again, how to be a more effective nonprofit, da 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 da. So, cool program uh comcast was uh, they sponsored uh me within bit to go there and um there were other amazing nonprofits that were sponsored by other amazing organizations and that sort of thing so it was a really cool event but um this one nonprofit leader had said to me she goes because mike how did you learn how to advocate for yourself so well because there were a lot of presentations i was again i was token blind person in this room mm-hmm. right i never been to the campus before um and i, I again i travel independently all, all the time. Like I, 
find myself. <laughs> I, I said, I love, to, I love to find myself getting lost and I love to find myself getting out of it. And generally it's uh, with uh, not only good uh, O&M skills, but it's, it's also a very important skill of uh, how not to be a jackass. And it's, it's really important for us as blind, visually impaired. Like it's, it's great to be independent. It's great to be autonomous. It's great to be all of those things. But at the end of the world, if somebody comes up and says, Hey, can I help you? It's quite all right. This does not make you any <laughs> less of a person. As a matter of fact, it, it makes you kind of own your schedule a bit more. So, because again, when you're at big airports, Ronald Reagan or big campuses like Georgetown, there's so much that we don't see, right? Like, right? And, yeah. and just, just to get a little guidance, a little, what I call angel, like an angel can't comes up and like, it is, it is perfectly okay to just say, because I, one thing I value more than anything, and that's the 86,400 seconds in a day. My time is just as important as anybody else's. Mm-hmm. And to be so stubborn to think that our O&M skills, no, 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 I'm going to get there all by myself, doggone it. Don't you dare want to help me. Like, like at the end of the day, like how much do you value your time? Hmm. Because that, I, and so advocating for ourselves includes the skill of being somebody who is willing to find an angel, you know, make it, make a short time friend and, uh, you know, get to where you need to go. But while I'm in this presentation, of course, there's a lot of visual stuff. Yes, I got presentations ahead of time and that sort of thing. But we had speakers literally carouseling in and out. Um, there were there were a lot of visual things that were going on. And it's okay. It is perfectly okay and perfectly professional. So like there was an individual that was talking about these four key concepts. However, how they were describing the, because I asked them, you know, they, they were all getting a, you know, the memo, like they have to describe the, the pictures and whatnot. And she was saying that there's a Venn diagram and there's, you know, there's a circle on the left and a circle on the right. And it creates an overlap with uh, within the middle, which clearly tells me that there's three unique pictures on the screen. Mm-hmm. But she said there were four unique concepts, right? And mm-hmm. so I, I stopped her and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I was like, I, I was like I'm not visualizing like, you know, you said there, there's four, but yet the, the pictures and she's, oh, I see what you're saying. She goes, oh, well, there's, there's actually two, uh, two of the concepts are on each side of the Venn diagram. And I was like, oh, okay, I got you, got you, got you. Like, so... But again, um, so I, I do this in real time and I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable again in a, in a very like this world, no matter how much accessibility is adopted or not adopted, mm-hmm. this world is a, it's, it's a sighted world. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for us, like we have to be okay with just, you know, pr- again, professionally, don't be a jackass about it. Just ask like, Hey, uh, help, help me understand. Like I'm, what, what I'm picturing is X, right? Mm-hmm. You be, you be, people will be amazed, right? So first of all, like, again, learning how to advocate for ourselves, being mm-hmm. a whiz on our assistive technology, but we, again, be, be an ally, right? Like you hear this in diversity, equity, and inclusion within ethnic mm-hmm. and LGBT, right? But right. you hear this all the time, like creating allies. We in the disability community are horrible at this. And I say that because, again, look at all the silos that there are within the disability community. Mm-hmm. And we, they don't work with one another. They don't talk to one another. You know, it's ridiculous. We create our own silos. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like, I think it's a huge contributor. The reason why the unemployment numbers are so high, it's because of our own community leaders. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting con- concept in terms of really understanding, uh, first and foremost, I'm going to back up a second, say how important it is. Everybody needs help or assistance in some form or fashion, right? We don't all get through the world perfectly, whether it's 
you know, stopping and asking for direct simple uh, st- stopping and asking for directions to not having the same talents or skills as somebody else and utilizing their strengths. And so it's important, I think you're right in terms of the blindness community and, and as well as the, uh, the non-disabled community is, is understanding that we all need a little bit of help in some form or fashion and asking for that, that help isn't a bad thing. Um, oftentimes, like I, I do hear the same thing is don't ask. I don't need any help. I'm going to go through the world, you know, with my head down, trudging through and you can live your life that way. That's what makes you happy. But I think it's harder than it is to accept than to say, you know what? Yep. Point me in the right direction or, you know, give me the, and literally point me, but, uh, you know, tell me it's, it's left of that you know pillar or 20 steps down, whatever it is, is, is saying and saying thank you for that because we all we all need that, I think, a little bit of support. And well, it's, it's, it's called allyship, right? David? right? Like, yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we hear about this in all sorts of other inclusion-oriented organizations, and yet systemically, mm-hmm. right? Like, we're, we're, we're taught like, no, 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 like you, like you need to do this on your own, like you need to like, blah, 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 blah. You know, just, and it, I, I think it's horrible messaging. And the reason why, again, like we, we as an organ, we as a community, it's because the organizations who are supporting us, like almost like they've unintentionally, you know, kept us in these silos mm-hmm. and for us to solve for this unemployment epidemic. And that's exactly what it is. Like we, we have to start uh, working together. We have to start realizing like uh, digital accessibility is our reasonable accommodation. Every mm-hmm. organization that supports the blind, visually impaired community mm-hmm. need to start teaching every blind, visually impaired person, the fundamentals of all of this. Mm-hmm. And then we need to start realizing, like, uh, creating allies, like, together, mm-hmm. right, as, as a community, as a whole community. Because, again, the one the one topic I believe that is completely nonpartisan, completely nonpartisan, is workforce development. It's mm-hmm. employment. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't matter if you're left or right or what, what blindness organization you are. Like, if we're all talking about this together and come up with a unified front, that's how we address the 70% mm-hmm. unemployment or underemployment. Yeah. I agree. I totally agree with you. And and sitting here thinking how fragmented the blindness community is, right? Whether it's, it's horrible, it's horrible. Yeah, I, I, and we all say we have the same common goal, which is to get people employed or to live independently or to have equal access. We don't all agree on how to get there, sure. and, and, and they're all, they're all fighting for the same voc rehab dollars or fighting mm-hmm. for like it just. You know, it's it's ridiculous how many organizations, oh, no, no, well, like, I don't want to collaborate with you because Voc Rehab has X amount of dollars for, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's ridiculous. And so that's, again, what, what delineates BIT. I'm not chasing those Voc Rehab dollars. Mm-hmm. Getting Voc Rehab dollars is a pain in the ass. I don't want those dollars. I go directly to corporate America, which values talent. Our business model is performative. We're focused on talent. Right. While right, other blindness right. organizations are just focused on book rehab dollars. Right. So mm-hmm. they they get paid no matter who gets a job. Mm-hmm. We get paid when we get somebody a job. Yeah, absolutely. Big difference. And and so your clients or students through BIT, right, you've been able to place uh, people throughout the U.S. and in, in corporate America. What what is it the skills that, that you're finding? Is it that you're providing to those clients to get them placed in, in corporate America? 
Well, our, so, uh, so some folks come to us with, you know, kind of already, you know, college and education and skills in hand, and it's been all over the map, you know, clearly like a lot of tech folks within, you know, being a developer, different and different, different frameworks, doesn't matter. Uh, but so different kind of coders, a uh, lot of assistive tech, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, accessibility, like architect and accessibility engineer type individuals, skill sets, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you know, business analysts and project managers and uh, data analysts and, um, yeah, you know, HR and, and folks who support sales. And we've done a very small amount of customer service because, again, I, um, you know, some folks that's that's where they're happiest at. But it, it also drives me nuts within the blindness community. Just so, oh, you're 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 helping people with blindness, like oh, so clearly you're doing customer service, and that that kind of stuff pisses me off. Again, I was a six figure engineer, and like, no, no, we have we have skills, like so don't don't tell me like this is all I can do just because mm-hmm. I'm blind. So, so but our our workforce development initiative. So we were the first uh, organization in the country uh, to put uh, blind people, seven blind people, through um, the Salesforce admin certification. So I chose Salesforce as our workforce development initiative for leveling folks up. And this is for folks who come to us with some skills, but they don't necessarily have, you know, kind of, you know, the the, the in-demand, uh, you know, kind of uh, corporate environment. And I chose Salesforce uh, for a couple of primary reasons. One is Salesforce is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is also the most digitally accessible platform on the planet, period. For screen reader users, it's it's absolutely amazing. So we're able to take folks who don't use JAWS because uh, we our our program is very global. Um, so we have individuals who do not get state or national dollars for screen readers right. that can only use NVDA, mm-hmm. and so using just NVDA in the same Salesforce platform that's available to everybody, uh, we're able to get people through the education because their educational stuff is completely accessible through certification because that is completely accessible and into jobs. Which are completely accessible. So, um, so they are the most accessible platform on the planet. That's why I chose Salesforce. But our workforce development. So we um, uh, we are the um, training, uh, the global training provider for Salesforce for people with disabilities. Like we're the official organization doing that, which is super cool. Uh, in 2021, we our program actually became the first national apprenticeship program that serves people with disabilities, including the blind, visually impaired, uh, that the country's ever seen. So hmm. no other organization before or since has become a national apprenticeship shop for the blind and visually impaired community. And so our training meets the standards of the Department of Labor at a national level. So we level folks up, we get them certified. We put them into roles, uh, which begins their apprenticeship. Uh, 100% of the individuals that we get certified, David, um, they also become employed. So, so our training is is national, of course, here in the United States. And again, we're not chasing uh, voc rehab dollars. We're not chasing any of that. So if uh, any of your listeners are interested, uh, you know, at the end of the program, I'll uh, let them know how they can get a hold of us. Sure. Thank you. And first of all, congratulations on your uh, certification and accreditation and focusing on putting and helping people get careers in in trending upward, sustainable organizations and, and careers, industries. And that's fantastic. Obviously, with your your passion and and out there uh, pounding the pavement, working with corporate America to 
create that that pipeline and, and channel for your your graduates from the program to find successful employment. Just uh, uh, thank you for that. I, I appreciate it. It's been it's been a lot of hard work, but uh, it's it. Uh, I am surrounded by an amazing team. Um, Ninety uh, percent plus of us are part of the uh, blind, visually impaired community. So uh, that's what's kind of fun about what we do is that. Like it says on our website, we are an organization that's, you know, by professionals with disabilities for people with disabilities. So it's a very civic, you know, by for of the people kind of endeavor. Yeah, fantastic. For me, my career um, has really empowered me to live independently, to uh, support my family, support myself, and also empowers me to get out into the community, you know, I'm, I'm going to DC in, in, in May and, you know, meeting with the delegation from Arizona while I'm there. And to me, without having the confidence and having the skill, you know, the things that led up to where I am today, right. The, the experiences and the opportunities to work all reinforces that empowerment and it helps me get to where it is that I want to be and, you know, continue to strive to do more. It sounds like BIT kind of is doing, creates that pathway for people who are blind across the U.S. as well, right? I believe so. I I always call it uh, the BIT family. So the BIT family, like we, um, and we put the fun and dysfunction, like a lot of families do, David, Mm -hmm. but we are, um, blindness can be uh, isolating. Right. Like um, I, I talk to individuals uh, who are newly blind or uh, still struggling with their blindness all over the country, all over the globe. And I let people know all the time, like blindness is a very physical thing. Mm-hmm. Like it is right? like we can we physically cannot do X, Y or Z. Right. But it is a mental, emotional, spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, the more we can, um, you know, come out of our silos again um, and, and realize like. There are, there are some things that, you know, from a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like employment, being able to put your own uh, uh, food on the table, being able to take your family on vacations. Like, you know, there are some fundamentals that are just, you know, mm-hmm. essential to our own happiness. And, and having a career is part of that. And so for me, the one thing that binds, you know, the BIT family amongst everything is just that. And just realizing, because again, you know, big struggle is a, you know, getting that friendly place, getting the yes, we want you. Mm-hmm. But another thing is then, okay, so once you're in that organization, you know, like there's still a lot of challenges and obstacles within those environments, mm-hmm. right? And so, create keeping that family, that BIT family, we're realizing like, oh man, who's who's dealt with this system? Are there any workarounds? You know, because in corporate America, there are a lot of there are a lot of <laughs> softwares. Right. So many softwares. Right. And Mm -hmm. so keeping that family together, you know, keeping that communication, that connection, all that sort of thing, um, I think is essential. Right. To, you know, how do we go past, you know, uh, we have, um, uh, you know, we have a token blind person. All of a sudden we have, you know, two, three, five, ten, you know, so start actually getting representation within these organizations, because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, representation matters. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So besides the, the Salesforce training that, that you provide, are there other programs that you guys offer to your clients and to corporate America? Yeah, we, uh, so we've been, uh, we've been doing digital accessibility like, I don't know, every, you just throw a rock in any tier one, <laughs> tier two city in the country and you're going to hit 14 different, 
you know, there are all these, you know, like I, I'm blind people with an iPhone, like, oh, I can totally do accessibility testing. Mm-hmm. BIT was doing it from the for, for a long time. We've been in the game for a decade now. So, and since I speak tech, I speak, you know, engineering. We 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 started doing that work uh, for a long time. So we have a lot of uh, nice relationships with organizations out there. But again, it's back to the BIT Academy, leveling folks up. So. Uh, meeting a lot of, uh, you know, blind, visually impaired people specifically who, again, have done a whole host, right? Because anybody mm-hmm. who can use a screen reader gets asked, hey, can you test my website? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get a lot of people who actually have done some uh, formal or informal testing, but don't actually have the industry recognized credentials that are mm-hmm. needed mm-hmm. to really propel your career. And so we have a pilot program going on right now, which is our digital accessibility analyst course, which uh, teaches individuals. And it's our classes are always synchronous and asynchronous. So you meet with an instructor. So we have the only instructor-led uh, digital accessibility analyst course going on in the country right now that helps uh, individuals go uh, you know, from, let's say, experience to actual IAAP certified. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so that's uh, a course that we have going on right now. It's our pilot. Our pilot is, uh, we had 22 individuals from five different countries across the globe, which is super cool. Yeah. All heading towards, of course, getting IAAP certified. So we're going to continue to, we are, we have three different Salesforce certifications that we do offer, uh, but you have to always start with the uh, Salesforce administrator certification. So that's the one you really have to start with. But and then we uh, we also have a pilot for uh, the Google Project Manager, which is through Coursera, getting folks the uh, what's called the Cap M certification, Certified Associate Project Manager certification. So those are the different courses that we offer. And then of course uh, we have workshops that we also deliver for our candidates um, that help with very essential skills. You know, such as you know the, uh, we we call it the Tell Me About Yourself because. One of the three most asked questions in every interview is a simple question called, tell me about yourself. Mm-hmm. And everybody thinks like, oh, you know, I can totally kill that question until it's uh, been asked of you. And then you go on a five or 10 minute rant, <laughs> you know, talking about yourself. And you don't realize that quite honestly, you've, you've shot yourself in the foot mm-hmm. um, if you do not practice that question. And so we help individuals, you know, master the techniques in and around uh, some of those skills because we're going to get you an interview. But once you get that interview, it's it's up to you now, right? Like it's, right. you can lead a horse, you can lead a horse to water, right? And mm-hmm. so our job is to, you know, once you get to the water, we also want you to feel super comfortable taking a drink from that fountain. So, mm-hmm. so our workshops are all meant on uh, again aiding that process. But everything that we do is in and around employment. Awesome. I'm gonna kind of go off script and, and ask you a question, uh, Mike. So you have um, these great programs. You're working to create uh, pathways for individuals who are blind in corporate America. Yet we still have this this seventy percent unemployment. So we we know that it's on the employer side. There's there's barriers, but there, I often find when we're looking for people who are blind to enter into the workforce, that people just don't want to work or aren't ready or I I don't know what it is. Do you find a challenge in recruiting candidates for your program? Do you have to, you're working um, not only from providing the training aspect of the actual, whether it's Salesforce or, or the other certification programs, but building people up to get re-enter into the workforce? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, we do not have, 
like we had 70 students start globally uh, in our program in January. We have another 50 or 60 that are waiting for our next mm-hmm. Salesforce class. So, so we we do not. I know that, especially within a lot of the NIB affiliates, they're having trouble recruiting, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my opinion is uh, that if you're, so to me, it's it's one thing to ha- offer, you know, manufacturing and those sort of tasked oriented or oriented opportunities. And again, mm-hmm. it's great that there's something. But what are what are the true career paths outside of the manufacturing? Mm-hmm. So or the, so NIB needs to so they need to get with the times, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they need to be able to offer true career pathways for the blind visually impaired. You're going to have a whole easier time on recruiting if you do that. But um, so from the other one is like how do we build up individuals? So BIT is also working uh, very closely with the with the schools for the blind on a national level, actually bringing our training directly to young people because it is that demographic, it's the young people that will change the narrative for the blind and visually impaired epidemic that is out there for unemployment. So it is it, it is the young people that are gonna change that narrative for mm-hmm. us. So BIT mm-hmm. is going directly to those organizations uh, with all of our programs. And part of this again is breaking down some of the systemic mediocrity in and around this. So young people need to hear from professionals like us, David, mm-hmm. and your listeners. They the young people need to hear from us that it is absolutely possible to not only survive blindness, but to thrive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it is it is so possible for them to have to expect to have a career, to expect to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, to expect to be a, a, per, a decision maker at a table in an organization. They should expect that. Mm-hmm. But it's up, it's up to us as prof- old, old salty dogs um, <laughs> to, uh, to, to em- help empower young people to realize that they can absolutely do that. Yeah, I agree. We talked about the importance of having a job, right? But a job is not just the job. I think it's important to have opportunities and, and pathways, right? Whether... You know, I started out doing customer service, data entry, things like that. And as opportunities came available to me, I took advantage of those opportunities to grow my career because I wanted more. You know, whether it's in the, the blindness community or within the general general population, where we have people sweeping the floors to uh, you know leadership roles and etc. So. There's nothing wrong with having a manufacturing job. If that brings you pleasure and that brings satisfies your needs and you're not looking for more, that should be okay. If you want more from your own life, you should have those opportunities. And can you take the step from a machine operator to a CNC programmer to a materials planner and find those upward mobility opportunities is going to come from within you. It's going to come from your employer who values the contributions that you're bringing to the organization, your talents, your skills, your problem solving, et cetera, not just the blindness that you bring. So I think looking for those individuals who have the, the, the drive to, as you put it, to thrive, right, is giving them the opportunity and let them create their their pathway and you help them along that that path. And I see that, that the NIB programs ability one and and my organization does the same thing. That you can come in to an organization, get work experience, gain 
the, the opportunities that, it, you know, you haven't worked in, in 10 years because you've been adjusting to blindness or you've never worked before, you should be able to make a career out of the things that you want to do and not let anybody else put you into a position or into a box that says this is what you can do or only what you can do. So, Love it. Yeah. So I, I we're coming up to the end of the show here. Uh, Mike, I'd love for you to be able to uh, tell our audience, our listeners here today, how do they best get a hold of you and learn more about uh, Blind Institute of Technology? Oh, s- simply a carrier pigeon. That's it, David. <laughs> uh, just kidding. It's uh, it's it's how it's all done uh, these days, ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, whatever your pronouns may be. Uh, blindit.org. Blind is an unable to see. Blindit.org. You go out there, and uh, if you want to get started with us, our, our website is completely tricked out for accessibility. Uh, we got light mode, dark mode, able to adjust the font size. Of course, it's screen reader uh, capable. So, you know, reach out to us. We'd love to talk. And um, yeah, thank you for your time and uh, being on this podcast today, David. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, Mike. I appreciate you. I appreciate your insights, the things you're doing to make a dent in the unemployment, to give people opportunities. And that's what really uh, this show is about, is bringing uh, a bigger awareness, the abilities, people who are blind or vision impaired or have other disabilities. It reinforces my philosophy that with the right training, the right technology, and the right attitude, people who are blind are successful in the workplace every time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Changing the Perception of Blindness, one conversation at a time with your host, David Steinmetz. Be sure to subscribe to Changing the Perception of Blindness, one conversation at a time on your favorite podcast platform and tune in live on Phoenix Business Radio X every third Friday at 9 a.m. We hope you feel inspired by today's conversation and maybe we've even sparked a new idea or opportunity.